Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed during this podcast episode are those of the co-hosts and guests and not their sponsoring institutions. Now, let's start the show. Hello, Detroit and the world. Welcome to another episode of Authentically Detroit, broadcasting live from our Zoom studios on the east side of Detroit, sponsored by the Ford Foundation, is a content partner to Bridge Detroit. I am Orlando Bailey. And I'm Donna Givens-Davidson. Thank you for listening in and supporting our efforts to build a platform of authentic voices for real people on the east side of Detroit. We want you to like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast on all platforms. We drop a new episode every week, so be sure to turn on those notifications. Today, we are recording our last episode of the year, and we thought it no better for us than to talk about our favorite things from the year 2021 and set some intentions for 2022. And who better to join us than Detroit's godmother herself, Miss Gail Perry Mason. Gail Perry Mason, welcome to Authentically Detroit. It's so great to be here. Do you know, I've heard that so many times, the godmother of Detroit, I'm like, when did I get that name? I don't know if it's aging me or what, but I'll just I'll just accept it and love it. That's all. You know what? Because Gail, every time you say, "This is my other godchild," it's like how many <laughs> godchildren could one person possibly have? And between all of those godchildren and all of the gra- graduates of the money camp who are going on to do great, amazing things. It is like you have helped raise up an entire generation or a couple generations of young people. That is the purpose of that title. And unfortunately, it takes time to do that. So you and I are the same age. Uh, so, you know, I mean, you know, so so neither of us are as young as we used to be. But, you know, I don't regret it because every experience helps me be, be a better person. I've seen you grow and become the person you are since, were we about 15 years old, 16 years old when we met? Yes. We were probably, we weren't driving, Donna. We were walking. We were either getting dropped off somewhere when we met. You and I were getting dropped off here at 14 years old at U of D dances or wherever. Donna and I were getting dropped off. We were not driving. So we had to be like 14 or 15. So Donna and I met years ago. Yes, yes, yes. And everybody thought we were sisters. Right. and we are. People still think that. I mean, right. if you two yeah. are together in the see, to see the banter and chemistry you two have, you two are sisters. <laughs> yes, you know, yes, yes. And you know, when we were young, people would say, oh, you look so much alike. But here's the other funny thing. I was at a restaurant and I was talking and it was one of my more enthusiastic days. I'm talking, this woman looks over me and she says, wait a minute, I know you. And she thought I was you, Gail. My phone. <laughs> yes, I'm telling you my intonations. I was like, this is really crazy. So yeah, I mean, no. face. And you don't realize, but when you're young, when you're like 14 or 15 years old in Orlando, you see this now is you're not 14 or 15 anymore. When you're 14 and 15 years old, you have no idea what people are going to become when they get older. Because you're just like at a party, listening to parliament. And having hey. the cute boys over there trying to get yes. you to move on. And you have no clue that Gail Perry Mason is going to grow up and be the godmother of Detroit. You know, it's just like, oh, there's Gail. Let's party. Let's have fun. And inside and of we that, had fun. 
We did. We had a lot of fun. I'm telling you, the Plymouth Church Youth Group had to be the most exciting youth group to belong to in the entire United States. And I say that in memoriam to Steve Hood, yeah. who um, was um, certainly um, central to so much of what we did when we were teenagers. Um, so we talk, we're going to talk about our favorite things this year, but I have to acknowledge that we've had some losses. Absolutely. And for me, Steve was a person who I was probably closest to Mm-hmm. Just from the time we were teenagers, um, I was really close when Tanya had to Tanya Heidelberg. Yeah, when we were young, right? Yeah. I was really close to her, and I was close to Doug Diggs when we were young, and Tommy Longest when we were young. But Steve and I somehow stayed connected over the years, and we had these always these great big fights. You know, even at the parking lot of the the the. Plymouth Church Youth Group, we get into these big arguments. Usually we'd be arguing over something stupid, you know, but we were always there for each other. And so for, um, but anyway, you and I, we were in this youth group together, the best youth group in the world. Yes, yes. That was the best youth group. I mean, I have to say, I still have, of course, relationships from back then. I mean, you and I from back then, so many people, like you said, from back then. And it's just, and Steve Hood, we would catch up it seems like I don't care what year it was, we would catch up and we, it was like we never left off right. where we would start, you know, start our conversation and everything. And I still, and I have to say, you know, talking about, and I, I think this year it was going from like grief to grace. And that's what we're doing. And so every day I go to the water and I actually, you know, pray every single day at the water. And I always pray for, you know, I was like, okay, Steve, like, what would Steve do? What would Steve do in this situation? What would this person do? And I actually like feel like these, you know, I mean, they're they're around us. I believe that in all of my heart right now. So I think this year is a year from grief to grace. That's really, really good. I love that. Grief to grace. Wow. Yeah. No, no, only, Gal, only Gal Perry Mason can put that together. Grief to grace, right? <laughs> but I mean, I think that's the only way to describe wisdom. <laughs> you know, remember your pearls of wisdom. We used to get them every yeah. single day. Pearls of wisdom, just always trying to share that and help keep us focused. So um, this has been, you know, a year where many things have happened. And um, not everything has been loss. There has been so much loss. We've also gained things this year. What are some things that you gained, Gail, that you think, wow, I didn't expect that for this to happen and now it has, partly as a result even of the pandemic? You know, I have, I, I mean, so much this year. Like you said, it's just been, we've all gained things. I learned things from my money camp. I've been more creative. I think all of our creativity has just come out like our gifts. I think we have to use our gifts in a different way. And I think this is a way that God is showing us like, hey, you got to use your gifts in a whole different way. So I even look at my money camp. For example, this year I put in mental health and I would never think to put in mental health with you know, a group of kids. I had 261 kids this summer and we were at the Aretha. So I'm like, thank God. You know, there's Shahida. She gifted oh. me. You're talking about favor. She yes. gifted me the whole place. So it's kind of like, wow, I had, you know, here it is. I have, you know, she had. So it's like so many different things happen when we had so much favor, whether it's, you know, StockX or whoever is like, hey, can your kids do something with StockX? Or, I mean, whoever it is, it's just so many people had gifted us. So 
But one thing, not only with the favor, but with bringing in mental health, uh, the young people truly enjoyed it. So you know how I do it. I do a tug of war game. So I had these ropes. And so I brought all these ropes this year, which is crazy to my camp. Everybody thought I was crazy. Like you're bringing ropes to money camp. Like what is that going to do? And I said, well, hey, I got to show the kids, you know, we did Roblox stock against Croc stock. So it's kind of like I put, you know, I divide the kids up like stock, small cap, mid cap, whatever. So I put small cap against mid cap and say, hey, you're going to be Crocs and you're going to be Roblox, the small block, the small cap. And then the middle schoolers are going to be uh, Crocs. And they had to say, I said, when you have to look up the stock, tell me what it's doing. Tell me when to hold on, when to let go. You can get burnt, just like you're holding on to the time of work get burned if you hold on too long. You can't hold on too tight. You can't love anything that can't love you back because you got to just say, you got to figure out it's a strategy on when to hold on and when to let go. So anyway, they were going back and forth, back and forth. No Crocs is better than Roblox, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And it's going to be great around forever, all this kind of stuff. So they were getting their hands on, so don't get your hands burnt. So anyway, but then when they got done, I had, I had all of these therapists and they were called change agents. So I had them with signs all over the place. So when they get finished saying, when do I say, so what did you learn? You can't hold on. You got it's a strategy, holding on and letting go. What about holding on to happiness, holding on to disappointment, holding on to joy, or letting go of anxiety, letting go of depression, letting go of, you know, different, you know, hate, letting go. When do you forgive? So I had all these change agents around, and then they had to go and talk about when to hold on and when to let go. So that was the thing. So I did it with economics. Then I changed it into real life and mental health. So it's the same exact thing, you know, with the stock market, it goes up and down, it's emotional, but when do you have to just let go and have balance? So these were our balance instructors and they were talking about how to have balance, whether it's a balance fund or a balance, whatever, but it was about really balancing your emotions. So we did that. So that was probably one of my, I mean, greatest things. I just thought, because the young people really enjoyed it. I've also had, you know, all of my, when I think success benefits others first, you have no clue. A lot of my young people, whether they got married, whether they started a business and hired over a hundred and something odd people to work for them. And I'm thinking, oh my God, or whether I'll see their name and say, oh my God, they, they want to get approved for a loan. And I sit on the board and I'm like, oh my God, look at these young people. They're just doing so. So it's just like, I, but to see them do better than me in 2021 has been the greatest, just, I mean, it's been so great this year to see so many people, whether it's Melissa from Lip Bar, to see her, or Lush Yummies, or all my kids that I call my God kids or my nieces or whatever, or Niles Hernan, or all these people, they're just killing it. They're just killing it in the game. They're doing so well to see them. And it's so, it's not about, you know, what I am doing. It's about what they're doing. And that's just the best benefit and just brings me so much joy. I had a one young lady that came over last night and she wrote me a long letter and she said, I just want to just give you a thousand dollars just so into, you know, money camp or whatever you're doing. And she's the highest ranking black female at the Federal Reserve Bank. And so it's just kind of like, yeah. So, but she came to me when she was 13. And it's like, look at her now, whether it's the highest ranking black female at Huntington Bank, you know, all of them came through the camp or came through an intern working with me or whatever. And I'm like, 
Look at them. And I talk to every single one of them this week. And I try to do, and one thing I do to bring like happiness and joy, I do love calls every day. I'll call someone. That's what I called you for, Donna, to tell you I'm so proud of you. I love you. You're one of my love calls this week. So I, I love, I've been a recipient of a couple of those. Yes, I love, those. I do love calls. Matter of fact, that's like on my whiteboard here. I do 10 love calls a day. <laughs> so I do love calls and I'll just say, hey, I'm so proud of you. I just love you, blah, blah, blah. And when I call my kids and say, hey, look what you're doing. Like, oh my God, I'm so proud. So I think I've done so many love calls this, this year in 2021 that it's just been the biggest blessing of, of, of my entire life. Like it's just been the biggest, and I've done more love calls in 2021 than I probably have in my entire life. So I'll shut up right now. Okay. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Um, you have this really a ministry more than it is a program, you know, um, and you're ministering to these young people and helping them see their possibilities and helping them understand their greatness. And for anybody to do that with young African-American children who the world tells them you are not great, but Gail Mason says you are. And it kind of makes me think of, um, this is kind of crazy, but it makes me think of your mother who I was never blessed to meet. But your mother, who saw greatness in you and helped lift it out, and um, thinking about how you're playing forward the beauty of what your mother did for you and your brother onto the world is just, you know, it's magical. It's one of those things that um, it makes you understand the power, pure power of love. So It is the power of love. And I always say, you know, love means let obstacles vanish effortlessly. And when people say, you know, like I'll tell you, you know, because I had that, you already know the story. I was labeled special needs, blah, blah, blah. But with all those labels I had on me when I was in foster care, if it wasn't for love and somebody seeing the best in me, you know, I wouldn't be here today. So I look at it as, so when I see someone, I always look at the best and I'm like, oh my God, I see so much promise in you. I see this, well, you know, you could just see greatness. You In all of our African-American young people, you can't see anything but greatness and you've got to pull it out of them, whether they see it in themselves or not. I think it's our job. It's all of our jobs to see the greatness in them and to tell them their greatness. I mean, I am, I tell all of my sons, I'm, saying, I'm your biggest cheerleader. But then I'm a cheerleader for all these other young people. I mean, that's my job is to be a cheerleader. And that's our job, not to critique them, not to do this. We can do constructive criticism, yeah. But also, but to pull out the greatness in them. But you, you don't so start with the constructive criticism. I'm sorry, Donna, go ahead. No, go on. I was, I was just saying, you can't. You don't start with the constructive criticism. A lot of people think that the way to a young person's heart is I'm going to let you know what's wrong with you and help direct you in the right path. You start with love. Yeah. Because you can't really, you can't really get to a young person unless they know you love them first. Like you, you don't, you don't start, you cannot apply discipline where you have not a first applied love. I, I really, really, really believe that. But to have held a camp with all of these young people at the center of Black, at one of the centers of Black culture in Detroit at the Aretha, uh, formerly known as Shane Park Shahida, who I say is a curator of culture in our city, a main curator yes. of culture in our city. What a blessing and what an experience that was. Uh, the Aretha 
every day for how long? Every, we were there all day. We took over the stage. We took over everything. It was the bomb. It was the best. And now Little Caesars called and said, well, next year you can have it here. I'm like, I'm not having it there. I have it right back in there, Aretha. No, I'm not. I don't even want. They say, we'll give you pizza. We'll do this. I'm like, nope. I'm going the right back to the Aretha. To the Aretha. <laughs> yeah, I'm going back to the Aretha. So I don't care. But you know what? And I do want to say this. I and, and you're absolutely right. I think I always say in order to save our children, we have to serve them first. In order to lead them, we have to love them first. So one young person, and I knew, and I've been robbed quite a few times. But anyway, I was I knew this guy, this young man was gonna rob me at the gas station. So I would always see. Steve Hood at this one gas station. I would pull up every time he would pull up. I would pull up I was right down the street from him. And I was like, oh my God, Steve's here. I can go. I know that gas station. Can I last you? That gas station. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I could tell this one young guy was coming in there to uh, rob me. That's where we had our conversation. We would always hold up the pumps and just talk. So anyway, but um, this one young man, you could tell he's getting ready to rob me. And I was like, oh my God, and Steve wasn't there to protect it. I always see him there. I was like, oh my God, Steve's not around. What am I going to do? And so I saw this young man come up to me. And I looked and I was like, and he was just walking up, you know, he was walking fast. And I was like, and I just stopped him and said, son, I called him son. And I just said, hey, son, I said, you look like an entrepreneur. And I said, oh my God, what are you doing with your life? And I just stopped him in his tracks. And he was just like, oh, why well, am I do want to be an entrepreneur? I do want to do blah, blah, blah. He went on and on and on and on. And I was like, oh, I said, well, I expect good things. Like, matter of fact, I could end up hugging him, giving him resources, telling him what he needs to do. And it was just like, oh, I said, oh, you're coming. Did you need anything? He was like, no, thank you so much. And I was like, oh, but I knew he was coming up you know, to do, and it was just like, you know, you know, you could feel the fear and feel, you know, feel it. So sometimes I think we could even stop things if we even react mm -hmm. with love or react with, instead of not fear either. We couldn't act fearful either. We have to react with love. And I believe that. You know, fear plays into the stereotype, right? Yes. Fear plays into you're scary. And yes. a lot of young black men have people fearing them all their lives. And that's how they see themselves. Yes. And to see yourself as see, being seen as somebody who brings value is a beautiful story. Um, we need more of that. Our young people need to know. Um, I, when I was at Vanguard um, years ago, there was a young man who um, worked there and people would tell me that he had, he was crazy. You know, they were like, okay, you know, he's off. He, there's something wrong with him. But he would always help me. He helped me move my office. I mean, I had a lot of things in my office, a lot of books. He had to, and papers and files. And he spent hours doing that. Mm -hmm. And so um, when he was done, he says, you know, I'm crazy, don't you? And I was like, no, I've never seen that. And he said, that's because you have always given me respect. And when you give me respect, I give respect from you. But if you disrespect me, it's on. Now, <laughs> you know, it was an interesting thing, but he had been raped. He had been kicked out of his home by his mother who chose the boyfriend who raped him over him. He had wow. been homeless. He had been in foster care. And so respect means so much more than just, you know, what we think of respect, which is this hyper-masculinity. It really means respecting my human dignity and seeing me as somebody who has worth. And there's nobody that I know who does that better than you, Gail. So my question is, given that ministry, has anything changed in your personal life or in your professional life this year 
to allow you to do more. I know that you got the opportunity to be at the Aretha. What else is going on? And what is the, your vision for 2022 for taking this? Because if I could, I'd put you over all of the kids in Detroit, right? Everybody needs <laughs> to learn and grow from you. How do you take this? Because 260 is a phenomenal number of young people, but we have thousands who need this kind of ministry. What, do you, what, 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 are, what is your vision for yourself in that? Or is... Or, or should we, the rest of us just try to emulate what you're doing? You know what? My vision is to send the elevator back down and actually teach others. Like, ex- let's try to implement. That's my thing. Is to you send the are back preaching. Down. I don't mean to interrupt you, but <laughs> send that elevator back down, right? Because so many of us reach a certain floor, we reach, uh, we reach the penthouse and we keep the elevator there. We don't want nobody else to come up. We don't want to see other folks behind us come up. And you're saying, my, your instinct is to send the elevator back down. Even That's though I don't have elevator. a working elevator in my condominium at the moment, but <laughs> on <another> <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing, but otherwise, but otherwise, but I think that we do need to always sit it down. And so my my goal for 2022 is I do want to do more. So I'm trying to not. I, I love my clients. I love my business. I love what I do. Um, I was trying to make a transition this year. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to, and it's okay. So I think God always has a plan. So I'm going to bring somebody into what, where I am and help me take over my business and help me with my clients. So I, so people in the financial service industry, I could send the elevator back down to them now, and we can do this together. Right. Then the other thing I want to do is actually do more, you know, enlarge, you know, what I am doing on a different level and hire a staff or a team to kind of do it. But they have to have the same heart. That's the one thing I want them to do is have the heart for the young people. And it's not just a job. And I want it just to be a, like you said, well, I, I didn't call it a ministry, but to be more of a ministry, I guess is a good way to put it, and to work more with young people. And, you know, and, and my dream is also is to do it, you know, in different states. I get calls all the time. They reach out to our website, whatever. Hey, can you do it in Atlanta? Can you do it here? Can you do it there? I share my information. Matter of fact, I'm doing something in Tulsa, Oklahoma in February, you know, for on Black Wall Street with the young people there. So I'm doing stuff in different places already, but I want to do more to touch more young people. So that's, and then even this year in 2021, being on Zoom, you know, I had an opportunity to speak at Harvard, had an opportunity to speak a lot of different other places because of because of COVID. So I got to look at the blessings with COVID also, the blessings with the pandemic. And we, I did have an opportunity to reach more people. And the same thing, we had one of the largest Thanksgiving dinners, not this past year, but in 2020. And then we had also, we did the same thing with the money camp. We reached kids in Africa. So that was like one of the biggest uh, success of the money camp in that year. And like Lisa Leslie, her kids came, but then she was our keynote speaker. And so I, I had children from foster care, children in Africa, children in Denver and Colorado. I mean, I mean, everywhere, North Carolina, everywhere. And then this way, and also I had my kids that, you know, whether they were at Covenant House or whether they were in foster care, all over. 
So it worked out to be a blessing where we could touch more young people during uh, the pandemic also via Zoom. We still made it interactive. We still made the kids go outside and do different things. So it was still interactive. So just more creative with it. There's just, you know, the Gail Perry Mason system for youth development. You know, we have all of these systems and usually developed by white men named after them. And it becomes something that they are able to quantify and describe. And yet your system of intervention, your approach, your mindset is something that could be used in teachers training schools and foster care homes in so many places across the world where we just understand that there's a way of doing this right just like you have the Montessori system for educating little kids imagine the Gail Perry Mason system I just think that what you are bringing to this world and bringing to this space is something that has to be replicated as a matter of justice, you know, and so I think that people can a lot of times plan to do that, but I would love to figure out how to help build that into something that allows other people to figure out how to support you, because you're right, send the elevator back down and bring other people up so they can help you help our young people. I just um, finished watching this documentary um, called Foster today. Oh, yes, and it's on HBO. It's amazing. It follows these families and these people caught up in the foster care system. And at the end of it, I was in tears, right? And um, just seeing how some young people have been transformed through some loving people in their lives, just crazy levels of transformation. And so, you know, just figuring out how we can do love in 2022 and really come to our offices. We have an amazing team. We actually have a staff, youth program staff. We got four people now in our youth programs, you know, we went from half a person when I got there, literally half a person working in youth programs to now four. And we are finally funded by the Skillman Foundation. We're part of these other citywide initiatives. And we're looking at a lot of different- That's wonderful, okay. Great, thank you. But we're looking at a lot of different mechanisms for pouring into young people. I would love to have Gail Perry Mason be a trainer for these people. In fact, we have um, the Youth Development Resource Center is looking for people to provide technical assistance and training. And I know you have a day job and you have your money camp and all of that. But the way that you look at taking care of young people is something that so many people could um, benefit from. And I mean, we already do. I certainly listen to you, right? Well, thank you. And Kenyatta Campbell is certainly listening to you over there in Cody Rouge. You know, <laughs> um, across the city, there are people who've already heard. But I really think that what you do is magical. And I want to um, give you your roses today. It's not just great. It's not just brilliant. It's magical because anytime you can take somebody and make them believe in themselves and see their promise, you are doing really God's work and it's magic. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you for seeing that. You made my day. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, no, well, thank you. Thank you. And I think it's our, it's our divine assignment in life. You know, I think we all have assignments in life. It was your assignment to be at Eastside, ECN right now. That's where you were supposed to be. Like, who would have thought that from, oh my God, from you, I had followed you all over. You sports and recreation, okay, Donna, what we do? You know, whether it's, you know, wherever you were, it's like, okay, Donna, Donna, Donna. You were always, but you always, but now this is your, all, everything that you did prepared you for where you are today like everything and i have to say in orlando oh please you killing it i mean you up here what, what you get what's it what's your, where's your, your it, 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 do they have that in your airbnb <laughs> were you able to find a place to show your emmy 
Like, go here, Orlando. Like, you, I remember seeing you dropping Scott off at Belle Isle. Yes. Seeing you yes. at Belle Isle, like, walking around yeah. looking for some fish <laughs> or some duck, whatever y'all was doing. And now, now you got, now you got, like, look, now you got an Emmy, like, what? You are killing it. Like, yes, yeah. he is. It, yes. it really has been, it really has been quite a year. Uh, Gail, we got a, your what are your favorite moments from you for 2021, which is the the money camp. Donna, what about you? Uh, 2021, I know you have a few. Uh, <laughs> talk to us about some of your favorite 2021 moments. You know, if if um, if the pandemic happened, did not happen, and we were not um, doing virtual stuff, I would not have spoken to um, some folks that a workshop on um, racism and sustainability and, um, you know, George Floyd and tried to connect it all in this one, you know, understanding of things. And um, I would not have done the research that I did last year to better really understand everything that's happening in the city. Because it's one thing, if you're talking for two hours, um, you can make something sound good. But when you have 14 weeks, you have to really know your stuff to be able to teach for 14 weeks. And so in January, I started teaching. Come on, Professor. And, um, it has been phenomenal. I mean, um, when you teach, you learn. When you are in the process of sharing information, you're also getting information. We Orlando spoke to my class. I'm gonna have to have you come, Gail. I mean, if you have time, Orlando okay. spoke to my class, and they were all they had their final projects. And when they were doing their projects, they were like, like Orlando Bailey said, we <laughs> do this. like he shared with them how to do. Um, you know, community building, how to build community power was our theme. And so um, being able to take young people and move them from where they were to where they ended up was really amazing to me. Um, I did it the first time. I, I had a really small class the first time. The second time I had um, 16 or 17 people, but we had people who dropped out and got sick. And so who knows what the size next time. Um, but it was it was transformational for me. Um, wow. I love teaching and I had an opportunity to do that. And it allowed me to understand that as much as I'm sharing this information to students who have the privilege of living in New York and going to Columbia, I need to also bring what I'm learning back to the community. Yes. And so at our, um, we had a summit and I had an opportunity to share that at the summit, I had an opportunity to speak to um, the Office of Sustainability in Baltimore, and to speak to a network, a national network of um, sustainability people um, through the PRC. Um, I was a keynote speaker for their this event. And, you know, when you're speaking on Zoom, the only problem is you can never tell how the audience is reacting because you can't see them, right? I have my slides up and all I'm looking at is my slides, but the feedback was, you know, really good. And so um, for me, I feel like you know, it is um, doing the work at ECN certainly gives me the platform to impact people and a place to gather knowledge and to share knowledge and to build and demonstrate best practices and to try to figure out how to be a blessing. The other thing I'll say that is um, really, really meaningful to me in 2021 is the um, staff at ECN. Um, we stayed a team. We worked really, really hard virtually and otherwise. When the floods came, the staff were there. They were helping um, over 200 people 
uh, process flood applications. And it sounds super easy. You just sit there and take people's names. But people are standing, sitting in front of you, crying, telling you your life story. And you're demonstrating empathy and helping them build trust in systems. And then we um, hire people to clean people's basements and we install 30 um, hot water tanks in um, people's homes that have been, you know, lost to the flood. Um, and we also transformed our headquarters into the Stoudemire Wellness Hub. Mm. And so, um, you know, we were able to really integrate a lot of the thinking around best practices and sustainability and say, how do we create a space in the community for people who are living in homes that cannot protect them from global climate change. And most people in on the east side of Detroit are living in homes that cannot protect them from global climate change, either because the windows or doors are too porous and you can't keep the bad air out. You don't have air conditioning to cool the air. So you have to open up the windows in the summertime, even when you have um, a surge in volatile organic compounds and other toxins in the air, you have to let them in your home so that your indoor air quality is crap. Not to mention a lot of times you're living in older homes with lead paint and radon and, you know, all of the problems that we have for contaminating our soil across the city of Detroit. And even when you, you know, remove the contaminating gas station, it's still in the soil. And if it's in the soil, it's in the water. And if it's in the water, somehow those vapors can get inside a home and create health challenges for those families. And so yeah. we live in a city where we have one of the worst rates of electrical you know, outages in the nation with high energy bills and very slow reconnection times. And they blame it on the trees, but it's like, okay, we know we have trees. Quit finding a thing to blame and fix it. So the Stoudemire Wellness Hub is a place that will convene people, hopefully, and bring people together and also help people withstand global climate change. And we not only have a physical space, we also have transportation to bring people to and from that space. Wow. And um, that vision is um, probably the most exciting thing for me to feel like, um, you know, I can do something. When I worked at Vanguard, I remember it was super cold. I remember when you used to get really, really bone chilling cold outside. It hasn't gotten as bone chilling cold lately. And I had kids I knew who I was close to who were living in houses without heat. And the entire time I'm warm, I'm worried about these kids because school is closed. They have nowhere to get warm. And it's just imagining them. And if I could have done, had just a community center or someplace to bring those kids and their families to keep them out of that cold, at least for part of the day when school is closed, it would have meant a lot to me. So I'll, I say all of that to say that 2021, I felt has been very productive and helped me get closer to my sense of my purpose in um, serving the community. And then I'll close it with the fact that Authentically Detroit is now its own entity. And Orlando and I have really taken Authentically Detroit and supersized that concept with the help of a couple of foundations. Yeah. Orlando, Great. you're yeah. 2021. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess I'll start with that. I'm I'm super grateful for um, a deepened love and intentionality amongst friends and family, or family and family, because I believe friends are the family that you get to choose, um, and to be able to even in a in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, 
you know, set our intentions on being more loving, making sure that we, you know, we stay connected, making sure that we affirm each other. I remember one of the first things I said at the beginning of the year is that I'm going to say I love you a lot this year and it's going to get uncomfortable. You either going to get with it or you're not. And most of my friends have gotten with it and they're used to it now. At first, they're like, you're weird, stop. But <laughs> now, now they beat me saying I love you. And I, for me, you know, that, that, that brings so much richness in my life, uh, being able to share uh, real love and authenticity with those that, that you are in community with, with those you get to hold space um, and relationship with across the spectrum, professionally and personally. And a lot of my professional and personal relationships intertwine. So I don't know. Uh, I, I I hardly get to you know recognize the difference. But you know you know one of my favorite moments. I don't even know if Gail will remember this. It was at the beginning of this year, I think. Um, I had this friend request sitting in my Facebook. Oh. <laughs> Perry Mason. I don't know if you know this story, Donna. So Gail Perry Mason sends me a friend request on Facebook. And I'm trying to accept her so that she could be my friend. And uh, Gail Perry Mason is no longer able to accept friend requests because she is Gail Perry Mason. She doesn't. <laughs> and I'm like, how is she able to sit? She wants to be my friend. I didn't even ask to be her friend. She sent me a, a request and they won't, they won't let me accept it. And so I didn't even get a chance to uh, text Gail or even call Gail about it. What I did was I posted a little status on Facebook. Like y'all, crazy story. Gary Perry Mason trying to be my friend on here and Facebook is hating. Rah, 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 right? Almost all of Detroit latched onto this campaign for Gail Perry Mason to become <laughs> Orlando's friend. And by the end of what, a day and a half, Gail Perry Mason had cleared some of her friends. And I had people hitting me up like, Gail better not erase me. I'm gonna be mad if she erases me. So <laughs> <laughs> and we became friends and folks were so generous. Like, Orlando, you don't know Gail, you need to know Gail. I'm like, guys, I know her. We're friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, <that was> this <laughs> was just a... But you know, it's it's that it is it is fighting for friendship. It is you know publicly displaying your love and affinity for each other. That has been one of my favorite things of the year. Donna can attest to this. That whenever I have an opportunity uh, to present, to speak, uh, to talk about my work, I uplift everybody else's work. In in, in <laughs> like I bring in especially my friends who are Black women, right? I, I try to, uh, you know, share that love and share that affinity and admiration for uh, them uh, publicly. And for me, that has been the greatest joy, sharing the platform that I have with all of the people that I love, with all of the people um, that I admire um, in 2021. There are, you know, you know, a few, a few more things. I think that uh, authentically Detroit becoming what it is becoming, but also becoming what it is now, is not something that Donna and I could foresee when we were recording episodes back in 2019 in March and May. We didn't release none of them because they weren't right <laughs> until we recorded the right one, and we we're like, "This is it!" And then this thing started. <laughs> 
And now we have support from two foundations and now Authentically Detroit is his own entity. Now Authentically Detroit is a mainstay when we talk about the discourse in the city of Detroit. We could not have predicted that. Uh, we could not have predicted that a year in we would be in a pandemic, but we were able to keep going um, and even reach a even broader audience uh, while we have been, you know, remote. And so I'm I'm so thankful. So gratitude for 2021 uh, comes up comes up for me. I, I I got a little statue. It's called an Emmy in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I thought she was gonna have it right here. I was like, I'm. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, we gotta talk. We gotta talk after this. Uh, I'll tell you why it's not with me, but. Um, you know, one of one of one of my greatest joys, Edric Gude is uh, a friend of mine, and she also joined the Eastside Community Network board. I think was it this year, Donna? She joined the and you know, one day she yes. called me over. One day she called me over to her house. She was like, "So she's a chef, Gail." And when she calls me over because she cooked, I'm coming to get whatever it is <laughs> that she cooked. So she called me over and she ambushed me, and she said. <laughs> and another person was there, Rafa uh, Wright was there, and they sort of ambushed me like, yo, we're thinking about this thing, and they had a whiteboard, it was like, I didn't know I was coming to work, right, I thought I was just coming to eat, and they wanted to do uh, this, this, this amazing, what was then going to be a one-time thing, a one-time project, and they had all of these elements to it, and I didn't contribute much, but I said to them, I think I have a name for this, y'all, the name of this should be Taste the Diaspora Detroit. And they went with it and it stuck. And Taste the Diaspora was one of the, I think number two and number three in Eater Magazine for the year wow. in terms of what they've been able to do uh, this year. So not only lending my voice to something as monumental as Taste the Diaspora and all that they were able to do, uh, especially in Black History Month, but uh, going to the screening of High on the Hog that they held in June uh, as one of the facilitators, one of the hosts of the screening, I'll never forget it. And I found out at the screening that we got the Emmy that we oh, won wow. at the screening. And everything just stopped. Like they stopped everything and I'll never forget it. And it's on camera. My brother, my friend, Raphael Wright of Neighborhood Grocery on the east side, as, as east side as they could come, grabbed me and hugged me so tight, right? And they have this photo of us on camera hugging. And for me, the, the, Emmy, the Emmy win is great, but to be able to also in that moment show the world that black men could love on each other Yes. And be vulnerable in that way and cry and be happy for each other. I was, I was ecstatic. I was, ecstatic. so, you know, top favorite moments of the year, those, um, among many other things, getting the opportunity to speak at Columbia University as a guest speaker for Donna's class. I was, that's on my resume forever. It ain't <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> Get a couple other things I want to um, think about. Letitia Johnson. Yeah. becoming um joining the city council blows my mind it is the best story coming out political story coming out of detroit period in 2021 for me i absolutely love Letitia. i think she's brilliant i think that she brings so much to this position she knows the community and um you know she had to fight off a pretty aggressive attack by people who were really attacking her reputation. But when you are who you are 
It doesn't matter what people say about you. And she not only won, she won all the precincts. I'm so proud of her. And Dawn Eisen being named the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District. Oh my goodness. I'm telling you, Black Girl Magic. I've known Dawn for many years because she and Betty Ann worked together. My sister worked together. As well as um, Stephanie, um, who became a federal judge. Stephanie Dawkins Davis last year became a federal judge. And the three of them worked together and they called themselves the Supremes because Every year they would, you know, when they had their um, talent shows, or whatever they were, they, you know, pantomime, you know, the Supremes. And my sister was the one they said who couldn't sing because like me, she can't sing, but <laughs> Dawn and Stephanie could. But to see them all thriving, two judges, one U.S. attorney and know where they came from was just really gratifying. And Dawn's story, I never knew her story about her dad having been murdered. I didn't know that she was from the East Side. And it uh, really did just make me so proud and happy for her. Yeah. I, that was the big, that right there. But all three of them, like you said, between Betty Ann, I'm like, oh my God. Like, you look how proud. I want somebody to do a story like all three of them together. They are so powerful. And then Don, when I, I, you know, got the call, I don't know, Don, did you, so we all got the call to write the letter. So we all wrote letters, you know, to the president for, you know, for Don. And we all got on a conference call. We all did this. We all did, it was just like, it was all year long, you know, trying to campaign for the, and it was like, oh my God. So those, that was probably one of the best moments myself for this year. Like that was amazing. And I just saw Stephanie last year. I mean, this year also. So we ended up going to a party together, maybe just a few months ago. And we were talking about Don, talking about her, talking about Betty Ann, talking about all. And I said, you guys, you have no clue, like how powerful that, and I think people don't realize like what we have here and where all three of them came from. Like, I am so proud of all three of them. Like that, they are just so amazing. We have so, men and women in Detroit, I don't care anybody says, we have the best. I mean, the on every level. I mean, every level. When I, when I have speakers come, most of my speakers are Detroiters. Black Detroiters, because I want them to see how brilliant we are, right? I want these students who have all of these stereotypes because they're human beings and they've listened to everything else. But, you know, the other significance is that both Dawn and my sister graduated from Wayne State University Law School. So go Warriors, right? They are um, a lot of times perception that you have to go through Ivy League schools in order to get places. Our own Wayne State is really has always done amazing things. so I'm, I'm just I'm just very proud and excited. The first black woman in um, that role in the Eastern District in Detroit. And so, um, you know, and we just lead differently. I'm sorry. I love my brothers. Oh, I love sure. black men, but black women and black men lead from different places most of the time. And Orlando, you are an exception, right? <laughs> A lot of times, and I'm not trying to be rude. I mean, oh, yeah. even when you look at it, we lead from the perspective of being mothers, sisters, cousins, guardians, nurturers. A lot of times when we lead, we lead from a family perspective. I'm not going to say that's always the case, but Mm -hmm. I will say that female leadership tends to be more collaborative and more focused on the whole community and less individually focused. That's a tendency. It's not a norm. It's not always. But I believe that when I saw what Dawn's plans were for that office, it was about doing things that make our community whole. It was not this get tough and lock them all up, you know, mindset. It was something that was very 
you know, commendable. And my, I was excited about it. I was like, wow, she's really looking at fixing problems. I agree are problems and not locking more people up. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, let's, let's set some, oh, I honorable mention, uh, black thriving in Paris. Another one. <laughs> yes. Of 2021. But let, let's set some intention uh, for uh, 2022. Um, it, is, it is a year uh, that we're on the brink of a, a lot of things in the ether around what 2022 would look like, given the COVID-19 pandemic, given our, uh, given, you know, how some of us are turning sour with political leadership on the federal level. Just it's so many things in the ether. And I, I wanted us uh, to come on and, you know, set some, you know, positive intention for 2022. And of course, we knew we had to have Gail Perry Mason on to help us do that. So for, so for you, Gail, for 2022, what intentions um, are you setting? You know, I think, you know, politically, sometimes we do we do have a voice to vote. I think we do need to do something with our voting. I do, but I think we can. And I think each person can do something. Um, you know, and I, I'm not I'm not gonna talk negatively about politics or negatively about anything that way. I'm gonna talk about being more positive about what we can do with our and I, I think we should encourage the younger generation, encourage the next generation to get prepared to run for office and uh -oh. not be, I and I think right that there. that is one and, and to groom them. We need to groom them. We need to have something together to groom them. And, and my thing, and this is what I try to do. And I think this is one thing I'm gonna do and be more intentional about in 2022. Every time I have an opportunity to go to, whether I get invited to Black Wall Street or whether I get invited to the Berkshire shareholders meeting or whether I get invited to, you know, a dinner somewhere, I always ask for a plus, I have my plus one strategy. So for 2022, I'm gonna change my plus one strategy because I always like, if I got a seat at the table, I'm bringing somebody else to the table with me. So that's what we have to do. Whether it's somebody younger, whether it's somebody who could also have the knowledge. I, so for 2022, I think we need to bring more people to the table. Together, we are so powerful. If we look at our chambers that we're coming together, Chastity, what she's doing, and just love what she's doing too, you know, is bringing more African-Americans together to make change, to make, to circulate our dollar. That's, the power doesn't really come from our dollar. The power, the power comes from our togetherness. So I think if we do bring more people and stop, stop the bickering or we got to agree to disagree, we can disagree on certain things. It's okay. It's like, okay. But I think we do. So for 2022, I do want to bring more people to the table and have power and power with unity, power with love, power with also an agenda and execute that agenda. Don't just have a meeting for a meeting. No, actually execute something. Let's get someone in office. Let's get someone on that ballot. Letitia, she, she, she went door to door. Nobody did that except for her going door to door, actually talking to people. We need to do that. And we need to actually 
follow her model of what she did. She should talk to younger people. So we all do need to come together. And I'm gonna have, as soon as COVID is over, the way I have these young people for dinner at my house, I'm gonna keep having my soulful Sunday dinners on 2022, bringing young people together, having them had a seat at my table, I feed them and then they tell me what they think. And I think we need to listen more in 2022, intentionally to all generations, to our older generation. You look at Donna's mom, who has so much wisdom that we can gain from. Look at our generation. Then you look at Orlando, your generation. We can learn from every single generation. So I just think I, I'm going to listen more and I'm going to love more and I'm going to learn more. And I'm going to have a seat. I'm going to bring others to the table whenever I have a seat at the table. So that's my 2022. Donna, you want to go? Sure. Um, my 2022, I feel like as a community development corporation, you know, today is on the third day of Kwanzaa and we are um, celebrating Ujima. And that is really where we work cooperatively to solve problems in our community. I'm not sure it's, it's cooperative, like, you know, actually I, I'm trying to remember the exact wording of what Ujima is, but that whole cooperative where we're listening to and taking care of our own people. And I think of all of the people in our community who are not being taken care of, people who um, are invisible, whether they are homeless or whether they're just poor, um, women, men who go to Capuchin Soup Kitchen, which is just across the street from us, or who are, you know, populating the streets in front of Bewick Market, and young people who are young parents trying to establish households and trying to figure out how to make it. I feel as though um, we don't do, thank you, it's collective work and responsibility, Orlando. I knew it was collective. I was just trying to remember what the collective was, collective work and responsibility, but we don't do a very good job of bringing them into the fold. We do a very good job of criticizing this group of people for not, or these groups of people for not voting without understanding that we are not proposing solutions for the problems that they have. And so when you talk about listening, I want to do just what Gail is doing, except I want to do it um, with people who are not heard. I want to figure out how to connect more with Detroit Action and with the Detroit Disability Power and other groups that are already doing this work so that the work that we're doing at ECN is really centered on all of us, not just whichever 10th we have connections to, whether it's the talented 10th or the block club leaders or the community leaders who are you know, already demonstrating a certain level of strength, but in a really caring community, we have collective social well-being, not just some of us. And I always feel as though we're not doing as much as we could. Um, we were supposed to do that in 2020. We were going to walk door to door and knock on every door on the east side. Do you remember that, Orlando? That was a vision, right? We we're going to go door to door. And then the pandemic hit. And when it was warm enough, we were all hiding inside. So we couldn't go door to door. But we're going to do that next year. We're really blessed on the east side to have some women who are um, now the designated queens of the east side, Edith Ford and Brenda Butler and um, there's another one, I can't remember her name, um, who actually used to be in YOE when she was young. So it's ridiculous. So we, we have a um, podcast that's starting Queen and Slim. And um, the, Edith and Brenda are going to lead that podcast. These are the informants of our community, the women who are out there really talking to people and really being knowledgeable about how to do the outreach work. 
And so I want to center um, on their leadership, support their leadership, because they are such amazing people in our community. Um, I want us to be real clear on what our housing work is. So for so long, housing has been so unclear to me, do we acquire and rehab housing and stuff like that? But as I talked about people living in inadequate homes, <clears throat> I want to put together a strategy for retrofitting housing that people in our community live in so their quality of life inside their homes can improve. Whether we are drawing on energy resources or we're doing things to electrify their homes or add solar to their homes or clean up toxins from their homes, um, teaching them skills at home repair so that they can get their homes repaired. I really think we need to engage in some intentional work because I, I really take what Gail is saying about doing what you can. You can wait forever on the government, the same government in previous generations that enslaved our people, created redlining and everything. How can you be the problem and the solution? We have to be our own solutions. Right. And the government is not going to finance that. When, you know, the, the most powerful speech I heard about this was when somebody pointed out that the years following Reconstruction, the post-Reconstruction era was the most productive era for Black businesses and Black self-determination really in U.S. history. Not now, then, when we knew the government did not care about our well-being and we're not, was not going to solve our problems, we got out there and we did the hard work of creating Black colleges and all of the um, all of the social organizations and the civil rights organizations and movements that formed in that time formed almost as a result of us understanding that the, the power was within us to make the kind of changes. So yes, I'll still vote, but I think we also have to act. And I really want to be somebody who can help connect people in our community to the resources. What about you, Orlando? I love that. Um, you know, for, I guess for me, setting intention for 2022, I want to model what it looks like to break up with uh, false urgency. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think capitalism uh, forces us to just keep going and going and forces us to always look at results in trying to be productive and whatever that means. Um, and it, it raises up false urgencies. We got time. <laughs> you have time to rest. You have time to sleep. You have time to be loved on and to love on your family um, and your loved ones, right? So I'm breaking up with false, ur false urgency. Um, something that my therapist uh, and I have been talking about, and I've employed it, but I'm going to employ it again. She says something like this, Orlando, if it is not a hell yes, then it is a no. Mm -hmm. And so uh, anything that comes across, any opportunities that come across, I'm holding it up to that benchmark as I have been all year long. If it's not a hell yes for me, it's an absolute no, and I'm okay uh, with saying no. Uh, I'm also centering, um, I think, I think um, an occupational hazard and a, a, a hazard of the calling that's on Gail's life, on Donna's life, and on my life is that we center everybody else and their needs and what they need. And we try our best to do whatever we can to meet that need, sometimes at the expense of our own selves at the expense of our mental health, rest, finances, what have you. 
I am setting an intention to remember to center Orlando um, within this next year, right? Um, I am going to continue to uh, create platforms to give away to folks who deserve the agency, um, who deserve to have their expertise and narrative cascaded on the airwaves, on television and print, what have you. Um, I am setting an intention to put our elders on record. Mm. I want to put our elders on record because for me, that is urgent. One of my favorite authors, Jason Reynolds, had an experience at one of his book signings. Who's, he's like the national youth literary person or something right now. He rewrote uh, Ibram Kendi's book with him. And uh, he was at a book signing and someone said, do you know what they say in Senegal when the elder passes away? And he said, no, tell me what they say. They, he, he said, they said, a library has burned. Mm. There is so much wealth and so much knowledge uh, in our elders. Uh, and I want to, I want to, I want to put them on record. It's starting with those in my family. And so for me, that's urgent. The urgency of the griot, this is what I was talking about in Donna's class, is of the utmost importance. And so I want to continue to hold up um, and, you know, and strengthen and chain like strength our storytellers. I want to hold up Catrice Stafford, right? I want to hold up Olivia Lewis. I want to hold up Bryce Huffman. I want to hold up Nancy Kaffer. I want to hold up Candace Fortman. I want to hold up Sarah Alvarez. I want to hold up Aaron Mondry, our storytellers, our griots, those who put pen to paper to capture our essence, our culture, and our city um, mm -hmm. for the public record. So those are, uh, oh, and I want to set an intention to continue to laugh, and to begin with laughter, to begin with love, and to begin with joy, because why, <laughs> you can't be any other way. I want to smile through it all. So yes, that those are my my 2022 intentions Donna Giffins Davis. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. You know, I forgot to mention I want to go on vacations. I'm, I'm planning for vacations now. Yes. Seriously. You know, I plan for everything, but I don't plan for vacations. I, I appreciate you bringing that up because I think that we have to plan for joy and plan for rest. And um, the other thing is- Oh, wait, um, can, I say that? can I say this to that? There is a, a Black woman- uh, that my friend Michael O'Brien out of Philly quoted to me. He could remember her name, but it's an amazing black woman. She said this to him, and it stuck and it sticks with me. If if you don't plan for joy, misery will. Right? Mm. <laughs> you got to plan your joy because misery will plan itself. Wow, that's that that is that that's something to remember. Um, and you know, and and believe in joy. Like I grew up. It, with this mindset, my mother said, whenever something good happens, something bad happens right behind it. So, you know, I grew up worried every time something good happens, it, that meant I was being set up for the fall. And I had to learn to enjoy the good because the bad was going to happen anyway, right? <laughs> but also, you know, do things to try to prevent the bad from happening because we're not powerless in this world. We have to use whatever kind of power we have. Um, but what you talked about, about listening to the griot struck me. Because Detroit has, and I know this because I've been doing all this research in my class, some of the most amazing Black history in the world. 
We were doing things in Detroit that nobody else was doing so long ago, and it's lost. I read this book um, by a woman named Beth Bates, The Making of Black Detroit in the Age of Henry Ford. And she was writing about clubs and things that were going on in the 1920s when Black people first started coming here en masse and the way that we used our collective power and agency. And most of the people who did that are gone now. And most of the people who followed them are gone now. And so there is such an urgency for us to understand what they did, how they did it, and for us to always be humble enough to not believe that we are better than our ancestors because those people were doing stuff that we can't even imagine under conditions that we cannot imagine as bad as things may be right now. Like George Floyd is not the first black man killed by police unfairly. They were killing hundreds of black people across the nation at one time, just in, in 20 in a year in some cities on a regular basis. You had you know, police departments did not just become infiltrated by the Klan. And Donald Trump did not bring racism to America. There are people who've had to fight back rank hatred. And so um, if there's any way that I can assist you in any way at ECN, that's one of my goals also is to highlight our neighbors and find out about all of those great people who live inside of our neighborhoods who will not get hurt for long. We got to talk to the Lesters. Yeah, they have to be on record. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah, Donna, absolutely. And I'll figure out what that looks like. But, you know, um, and this is not to supplant, but to add to the amazing work that a Jamon Jordan is doing, that a Ken Coleman is doing, that Marsha Philpott. I want to honor, honor the work that is currently being done uh, and build, build on it, build on it, because it is, it's so, so very important. Jamon says that uh, the East Side is the place where, you know, Black history in Detroit really, really begins. There's no, you know, greater place for Black history than the East Side of Detroit. So let's start there. <laughs> well, that's another um, highlight of the year, though, Jermon Jordan being named the official historian for the city of Detroit. Yes. I yes. mean, listen, I, I, I'm not, and also him getting the class at University of Michigan, I am so and him proud. coming on authentically Detroit. Coming on authentically Detroit when I was on out of town too. Um, I am so amazing. <laughs> I'm so proud. I'm so proud of Javon. Though I think when I look at the amazing work that he's done and just his brilliance, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's it's you know just crazy to me that one person knows this much about our our city's history. Mm -hmm. um, and and I'm glad he got the honors for it. Yeah. Yes. Well, this has been absolutely, absolutely amazing. What an amazing conversation. Uh, this is the last episode of 2021. We will see you in 2022. But before we go, do we have any shout outs? Gail, you got any shout outs? Donna, do you have any shout outs? I just want to shout out to Detroit and say we, we are going to do this 2022. We are definitely, and I'm not even going to say turn our city around because our city, we have so many great things that are happening in our city. So I got a shout out to all these African-American business owners that are just doing it, the grind every day. We have so many community leaders. So I got a shout out to everybody who is serving and giving back. We have so many servant leaders. We may not hear about them, read about them, but as they are there and planting the seeds. So I give a shout out to all of them. And of course, my family related by love and related by blood. 
So I love and I love you. I love Donna. I love both of you all. And thank you for having me on. Donna, any shout outs? I really want to shout out our healthcare professionals. Um, I don't understand how they do it. Um, it breaks my heart. I'm reading about some of them just going through what they've gone through. Um, so I want to shout them out because we would not really have made it as far as we have without them sacrificing literally their health and well-being and their families to help keep us alive. And my understanding is a lot of them are dealing with abuse and disrespect inside healthcare settings. And it breaks my heart to know that. Um, I want to shout out our teachers um, and our school personnel who are educating our babies in this most difficult time. I don't know how you do it, but you do it anyway. And there's not always this great respect that you receive. Um, our teachers deserve more because where would we be without teachers? Amen. And I want to share out, um, you know, all of my people on the East side, um, whether I know you or not, I love the East side of Detroit and I love East siders. Um, you know, not just because I live here, I live here because I love the East side. The first time I lived here and I wanted to move back into a community that felt like this. And, um, you know, every time I see things that are happening in our neighbors, um, with our neighbors, there's so many small projects that are going on that you don't ever know about, that never see the light of day, just amazing people. So um, all of them, Orlando, how about you? I, uh, I want to shout out God. Um, this year for me has been the manifestation of so many things that I've talked to him about in prayer <laughs> and was able to live a year that I literally spoke um, years ago. And so even in a lot of the low times, I was reminded that um, I'm in a place that I was once praying to be in. So uh, shout out to my faith, shout out to the Lord, and shout out to uh, a surprise, um, the love of my life, Anisha Howlett, uh, for rocking with me this year. Uh, it's been it's been amazing, baby, and super excited of what next year will bring. Um, can I also shout out you, Orlando? Um, um, Orlando, about a little over a little less than a year, um, two years ago, Orlando came to me and quit his job, and I was devastated. Um, but it hasn't felt like. <laughs> like you know because I was like wow you know the connection but it just changed our, our our friendship our relationship transformed from supervisor supervisee to friendship and um I really value you and I want you to know that um oh. that's um it means the world to me and and Gail I don't I can't even believe I missed your call other than I have two phones and sometimes I get them confused and this is our first that, time on the show it's your first it's it's not your first time is it yes yes Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's my first time. I, and I took when Orlando called, I was like, I don't care what I'm doing. I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> Scotty came in. I haven't had a chance to give a hug yet, but I'm like, no, I'm going to be on here because no. Orlando, I love you. You have no clue how much I love you. And I, you know, Donna and I, I we have our love go way back. But Orlando, I just like love you, love you, love you. And, and we get our date. So for a shout out to 2022, well, we're getting our date. We're getting our date next week, week after, whatever. You know, we got our shots, our booster. We are going, we are going to go out and have our have our drink or used to come up my flight of steps, you know, come up here and have dinner. One or the other. <laughs> now, anyway, but now there's so many people. And Donna, thank you for giving a shout out to all of our amazing teachers. Thank you. 
our educators are amazing in the city of Detroit, whether they're at the charter schools or Detroit public schools, they are more than amazing. And I sit on the board, I'm on Ascension and on DMC's board and I are healthcare professionals. I was just talking to uh, Eric, Dr. Eric Ayers, I'm gonna give him a shout out on Christmas. And I said, Eric, I will bring food down to you. What do you need? Blah, blah. He sent me a picture of him working. He's like, I'm just working, Gail. It's tough. This is tough. So Eric was just tough. You know, it was just, so I know it's tough. So I got to give a shout out to Eric. I got to give a shout out to all of our nurses, our doctors, all of the staff. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, this, these are tough times and they are getting, you know, hard times. So I, I know. So, but anyway, I love you all. This is great. I love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. And we want you to catch the wave. Absolutely. Bye-bye.